Locker room, 3.50 p.m. And here we go. Grillo entered the locker room as I deftly unwrapped my taped-up hands. I love you like a son, the beefy man said. But don't ever put me in that kind of position again. <laughs> and, uh, what position is that, Jimmy boy? Your mother's fucking scary, kid. <laughs> yeah. I tossed the bandages onto the bench. She is a real piece of work. Hey, let me, uh, let me talk with you after I get my shower, all right? Yeah, yeah, sure thing. Grillo said, tapping the locker nearest his slab of meat hand. Then we walked in opposite directions. Ten minutes later, I, you know, I should, I should preface this by saying I was raised taking what both my father and grandfather referred to as army showers. I was walking past the lockers toward the middle door that had creaked since before I was born. Same with the exit sign and how it fizzled, no doubt. Pink-faced, hair still wet, I knocked on Grillo's door before walking in. The other office, this one hidden away in the men's locker room that instantly stung at your nostrils upon entering with a salty tang of ancient sweat, was just as run down as its owner. The main office out front was for show, for the tight-bodied women in the expensive sports bras and fresh coat of makeup. This office, well, the one I now stood in, was where the rats went to die. I'm sorry about your grandpa. Grillo had his size 12 shoes propped up on a battered desk covered with coffee-stained newspapers. And he paused for a second. When are you heading back? Uh, back? I looked at Grillo in a confused way. Genuinely. Family feuds are not. He's your grandfather, kid. Was my grandfather, past tense. I looked at a poster on the wall, then back at Grillo. Ah, oh, hell, he... You know, he probably had a heart attack just remembering our last conversation. No, you know, that was, that was between you and your parents. You told me so. The old man wasn't a part of that. Yeah, well, he was there, I said, ruefully. My blue eyes widened with fading impatience, as if by focusing my glare I might lower my heart rate. Two dull spots now, the color of blood diamonds. And opinions vary. Grillo matched my stare. Teacher to apt pupil. You should go back. <laughs> oh, man. And, 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 and what? And take care of my business, right, Jimmy? Laughing and sighing at the same time. Listen to you. A deflated balloon in the dank locker room office. My response was almost orchestrated with a trademark dryness of humor. Those who knew me well, and not just in passing, knew that I was quite the talented actor. Grillo knew this, and he wasn't even part of the live studio audience. Oh, no, take care of your family. Leaning in on that last word, the important one. They still are, you know, your family. Hammering the word in. I ran my hands on either sides of my hair. Droplets of water touched my shirt collar. Why are you even pushing this? I mean, it has nothing to do with you. I really didn't care myself. I mean, what? What do you think is going to happen? 
that I'll suddenly appear at my parents' doorstep and they'll run to me with tears in their eyes, applause filling the room? I looked down at the tiled floor. Someone had used a penknife on it to commemorate New Year's Eve, 1982. It just doesn't work like that. I was out the door and back into the locker room before the sentence was even finished. Jimmy on my heels up, a massive stride. A worn-down titan giving pursuit. I scooped up my wrapping tape off of the bench, one stretch still bloody from my KO, and I threw it in my locker. My head felt stiff. I didn't care, I just, I wanted out. But there was no getting rid of blood on blood. Oh my god, just go away, Jimmy. Alright, we're not in the ring, I don't need a coach. Grillo understood completely. He could shut his eyes and hear the tick, tick, ticking of a time bomb with the fuse running low. Yeah, the app pupil and the teacher. I'm not your father, and I know I'm not your blood. He kept at me, keeping his own tick, ticking in check. But I became responsible for you the minute, no, the second you walked in that door. And I'm getting tired of the sound of your disrespectful gums flapping. Grillo's hand went from finger stabbing the locker room door to pointing at the floor. The least you could do is show me some goddamn respect in my own gym. And I went silent. Humbled. Oh, no, look, Jimmy, I, no, I get it. You're a big hotshot journalist at a struggling newspaper. The thing would go under if it wasn't for your articles. You're worried about job security, worried about all those materialistic items all you young people care so much for. Just like those women on the Stairmasters with sweat running down their spines. Ah, Grillo is on a roll now. All your technology and your toys, even your looks, are a status symbol. But let me tell you, when I was your age, I never had some kind of workout music playing in my head. Now this thing with your, with your grandpa, you take it out on me, that's all well and good. Better me than you. Because I keep seeing you mad at the world, blaming everybody. And then he lowered his tone. Self-doubt is a powerful drug. But the past is the past, kid. I don't get why you constantly beat yourself up over it. I, uh... I don't know. I was still sullen. <laughs> I mean, maybe because my mother's not here to do it for me. And then I fell silent. Grillo turned slowly, not speaking. When his back was fully turned, I don't know, maybe he thought that I had too many hard hits. Just another sob story. I was stretching myself thin, working my ass off at a paper, and then coming here to sweat all the frustrations out. I don't know. We're all living on borrowed time, Randy. Grillo shot back from over his shoulder. The only thing that's left of the past are memories and the ghosts that haunt them. He stopped in front of one of the fight night posters. A large promotional and stark black and white turned to fading sapia. His own face. Back when the nose was only broken once and recently at that. It had been an undercard fight, yet it was one of the few times that he had ever felt truly alive. 
can relate. Now the, the cracks of age distorted his features, betraying nothing but his eyes. And those sang out a different tale, ringing like the bell that ended each round on the mat. You want to hear a sob story? Yeah, get in line. Life is just too damn short, kid. Feeling like he was repeating himself. Maybe he was. Only this time he wasn't chiding himself. Pretty soon there's nothing left of us. Just dust and echoes. Dust and echoes. The last came out in a whisper. His meaty hand reached for the door. Words of advice. One last time. Go home. Make amends before it's too late. And then the door swung closed. A dull echo followed. Blood and sweat still hanging thick in the air. I slammed my locker door hard enough that if Grillo had still been there, his teeth would have rattled in his skull. Too late. Already is. Not knowing if I was saying it out loud. Or not. Whispers in the Cries. Written and performed by Matthew Ewald. Produced by Star Chaser Productions. October 24th, 2011. Mound, Minnesota. Well, I'll give them this. They actually held the viewing at Delacroix Funeral Home an extra day so that I could, uh, I guess, be allowed my proper respects. American Airlines Flight 1983 to Minneapolis, followed by an hour's drive west. I had hoped that my delayed arrival would save me from this. <sighs> boy, oh boy. This nightmare. The middle of Minnesota, and yet the strains of Leonard Skinner's Sweet Home Alabama rang true. Even here, a favorite on every tavern jukebox. I had the heater pumped to the max in my rented Toyota the entire ride. Not yet Halloween, yet the, the leaves had long since brightened, died, and were in the process of falling into the ditches. At times, the wind outside picked up to a howl. It was... It was eerie, I imagined, to someone on the outside. I mean, I knew it was from the open, empty expanse, but to others... I don't know. Kind of haunting. And if that wasn't enough, a storm rolled in from the Dakotas just as the funeral was winding down. A hard rain, dark clouds spilling out their bellies. See, I was hardened by the rapid change in weather. I had grown up here. And honestly, back in Manhattan, though, the tall buildings made the wind shriek just as loud. Later at the, uh, 
at the cemetery. One of the funeral attendants came up to stand beside me before the closed casket. A blue tent covered the crowd, but the rain still hit those at the edge. Did you know him well? I was momentarily startled, but you know, quickly kept my surprise in check. Always the fighter. He was my grandfather. <clears throat> Thinking, well, goes to show that even my relatives didn't recognize me anymore. If some of them ever even did. Doesn't answer my question. Man, this guy. This old man just pressed on. He was dressed in a black suit far more expensive than anything I, myself, had owned. Or cared to own. My family... See, you have to understand, my family was all about the material things. A couple of dozen people standing in groups, stoic, were like displays of mannequins in Bloomingdale's back home. My true home. The man leaned back, and, and I saw another man of you know, maybe equal age looking over at me, one eyebrow raised. Yet, truth be told, I didn't remember half the names of those gathered myself. But this one, next to me, retrieved a flask from his inside jacket pocket and downed a quick gulp of courage. At least that was the phrase in the bistros back in Soho. For this guy, might have been a quick remedy for the shakes. And, uh, not the arthritic kind. You understand? And he didn't look at me when he continued. Doesn't really matter. You think you know someone, then they end up in a fucking asylum. Painting pretty pictures with crayons in a padded cell. He paused, as if wanting to continue. Rain pelted the tent like a heartbeat. Excuse me? I looked at him. Hard. And the man didn't turn. What did you say? My voice like steel, my eyes narrowing as if I were facing dragon tattoos and not some pretentious old bastard. Well, what do you know? Ain't that cute? The liquor making this relative run off on one long, monotone sentence. Oh, yeah. Grandson doesn't know what dear old granddad's deep, dark secrets. What the... was that even English? Followed by drunken laughter and a foggy haze of what was no doubt top-shelf booze. He gave a rebuttal and put a chubby arm around me. Or should I say, the family's deep, dark secrets looking me in the eye for the first time. Okay, so now at this point, I was genuinely confused, standing there and studying this drunk before me. Good for you getting out. The man said around another quick slurp. Escaping. Escaping. Pointing a finger at me to enunciate what he thought to be a grand word and an important word. Who the hell did he think he was? Because if I don't know you, you must have left this godforsaken land years ago. Hell, you could have ended up like me. Or worse. Motioning to the casket. You know, this shithead was a real class act. He was in an asylum? I asked. Yep, Looney Tunes. The old timer gestured with circles around his ear using a crooked finger. The... Uh, Universal sign for crazy. But like I said, kid, doesn't really matter. Dear old granddad was a leopard. More laughter from the man. 
The stupor of booze had now taken hold. A leopard never changes his spots, kid. The son of a bitch just got really good at hiding them. The relative next to him, thinning blonde hair yet just as ancient, now they toward another group. They carried the cackling man away from me. And the, uh, the raised coffin. My dead grandfather within those walls forever. The old booze hound was still calling out to me, and I, I could only turn my back in shock and confusion, the rain beating harder still. I fucking hate Minnesota. Delacroix Funeral Home, Mound, Minnesota. As was common practice in my family, everyone returned to the funeral home for a small token of remembrance. Mound was a small town, but many residents opted to have their relatives buried in the next county because most of the elderly people were moved to nursing homes. The younger siblings and their spouses did not want nor need the hassle. I mean, families just suck. I found myself in a room full of strangers. Yes, yes, they may be blood, but they weren't even acquaintances. I had left this dying town for Hamlin University in St. Paul a little over a decade ago, and I never looked back. A recommendation from my journalism teacher, who had once worked for United Press International, got me an internship with the fledgling paper in Milwaukee. I kept moving upward and eastward, Columbus, Pittsburgh, and finally, New York City. Freelancing because my words flowed, my stories mesmerized. Journalism was a profession, yes, but my dream, my... Man, my, my great dream was to be a novelist. To weave stories and tales told, grand adventures into mystery, into, into awe and wonder. To have, to have my own adventures right there upon the page. But according to my family, according to every publisher on the East Coast, I wasn't there yet. No confidence in myself now. But now confidence in the ring? Bring it. Confidence with women? Hell yes. But not when it came to the words I love so much. Not when it came to my greatest happiness. Writing. And so I took up boxing. Being in the ring with those juiced up behemoths the size of freight trains could maybe just... <laughs> just maybe grant me confidence within myself confidence where it mattered most at least that 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 was the hope hell i had likely known jimmy grillo longer than some of the people here both young and old and i was certainly closer to the gym owner than i was to the the high and mighty john and karen conroy my own parents. And speaking of... It's always a shame when a mother has to call his son's employer just to find out where he is. A dry voice from behind me. And by the way she sounded, the volume clearly kicked in. Hello, mother. And I turned. 
Not even caring to correct her about my main source of income just wasn't worth it. Just to get this out of the way, one of the few times I had called home, I needed some old, like, paperwork forwarded to me, alright? This must have been, this must have been almost nine years ago. So I had given her Grillo's number as a point of contact. That's it. Assuming she would toss the message in the trash if she had even written it down at all. Oh good. You remember. Spiteful, but... Smiling. She still fucking creeped me out. I gave my mother a kiss on the cheek. Oh, come on. How could I ever forget this angelic face? Smiling down at her, my mother was a few inches shorter than I was. How indeed. She said, her head tilted up. But apparently a son will always find a way. I then turned slightly toward my father. (sighs) Father, I said, extending my hand. Listen, I don't want you to think ill of me. All right, there is history here, and, and it's bad. But I extended my hand and perhaps had a little less kindness, yes. My father, with a face that was a older, craggy version of my own, simply turned and walked away toward a group of other men. And, like his son, he never looked back. I can't recall if it's been 15 or 20 years. (laughs) Oh, God damn. You either don't care to remember or want to avoid the realization of how old and bitter you've become. I didn't say it, but that's... That's what I thought. So don't you dare... Commenting on the way I looked at my father. Since after college, how else do you... I don't know if you knew this, but apparently I was on edge. So I interrupted. Oh, give me a... I sent you and dad tickets I don't know how many times. Your birthday, Mother's Day, Father's Day. Clicking them off of my fingers. Thanksgiving and Christmas. All first class. You make the choice not to come. My mother folded her arms and tilted her chin higher not even acknowledging the fact that she would have gotten the return address from the plane ticket sent via FedEx. Must be nice living in Manhattan. Tick, tick, ticking. The fuse running low. I mean, you could always come and tell me, maybe use one of those uh, tickets. But then again, with you in New York City, who'd be running hell? Keeping it quiet enough so none of the other visitors' heads turned. Come on, I'm not a... I'm not a monster. You made yourself a stranger. Why should I be any different? She let her hands drop to her hips. Hell, indeed. And now, a few heads turned in our direction. Conversations had even stopped. Family funerals, man. What a trip. Look, I'm not gonna fight with you. You told me to come, so I came. That phone call back home that I had eventually... Made at Grillo seemed to have gone on forever. He was your grandfather, Randy. Yeah, you know what? Why do I get the feeling that around here... I motioned to the people now staring, and then... Right at my father. That that is less of a statement and more of an accusation. Not sure what that's supposed to mean. And uh, you should probably know that once my mother was mad, she drifted away from her fake, polite grammar. I'm simply saying that the door swings both ways, is all. Actually, I stand corrected. I think my mother became a day drinker. You could learn to be a better son. Well, damn. 
Yeah, yeah, the, uh, the deepest cuts always seemed to hurt the most when the truth was spoken. Hmm? Boy, I sure do hope you come visit for Christmas, Ma. I stared at my mother. I do so enjoy these chats. Silence. The background conversation slowly started up again. I saw you talking to Uncle Ken at the funeral. Oh. <laughs> Is that who it was? Remembering him always making scenes during holiday dinners when I was a teenager. Wow, he's... he's gotten, uh... Drunker. A simple shrug from my mother. We both looked over toward where Uncle Ken was propped up in the corner, snoring away. That damn silver flask still angled in his hand. Contents staining the beige carpet the color of blood. One in every family. My mother said. Yeah, I had a... An interesting conversation with him, I said, disdain in my voice. Really now? Well, that's nice, dear. Oh, look, her inflection had changed again. I'm happy to see that you're connecting with the other black sheeps in the family. Yeah, I ignored that barb. The way that I, I would a weak tap to my chest by a tired opponent in the ring. So, Grandpa was committed. I asked nonchalantly, but I was also trying to, you know, almost make it more of a statement than that of a question. Trying to, you know, pry open that door that held my... my estranged family's secrets. Is that what your uncle told you? <laughs> oh, man. My words were apparently like a slap across my mother's face. She put her hands back on her hips, her head cocked back in annoyance. Frustration seeped from her every leave-it-to-beaver-styled, makeup-covered pour on her flustered face. Or, you know, any any of the number of 1960s sitcoms. I, I don't know, I didn't watch. But then she quickly shook it all away. Yes, mother, that's what my uncle said. Oh, I kept at it. Another, another jab right there. Well... Don't pay attention to him, dear. She stared at Uncle Ken, then at the stain on the floor. He is drunk, after all. What aren't you telling me? I questioned words, probing eyes searching my mother's own. She tried so very hard to deflect the talk about my grandfather with the son she hadn't seen in so long. But it was, it was no use. Oh, look, it's the Johnsons. <laughs> She then told me, gesturing at, I mean, no one in particular. Excuse me, but I must go thank them for coming out in this weather. She kissed me and reminded me to pay my respects unfelt, unfelt respects, to my grandmother. Back toward the brown metal chairs and rows along the aisle, two old women in, in garish outfits were talking about that handsome young man. Oh, that's Karen's son, Randy. And I, I do believe he's a reporter from one of those big-time newspapers in New York City. And then they set in on how I looked like I came from back east. Or maybe Hollywood. No, no, the east coast. Yes, no, I, ha I had certainly shed my, uh, my good old boy skin for tailored suits that meant, clearly, big money. And leaving the harsh, uh, prairie seasons had only made me look even better. Both women thought the same thing. I certainly didn't fit in here. A priest walked around those old biddies, noticing me, 
waiting in a short line to pay my respects to my grandmother. Okay, so truth be told, I was thinking on how it wasn't going to do me a lot of good, seeing as how she was already half dead. The priest, because he's a priest, mistook my impatience for that of grief. Hello, I am Father Malcolm. The bony man said with a easily rehearsed sigh. You know, my boy... He nodded toward where the casket had been earlier that day. Doctors try to understand this. Us, life, all in medical terms. Priests like myself, the church and the higher power we represent, all of our denominations try to understand it spiritually. But God... He laughed quietly. The line toward my grandmother had hardly moved. Oh my God, I was trapped. God doesn't try. God knows. God knows so we do not have to. He took a step closer. Sometimes, young man, well, sometimes you just have to stop asking why and trust in him. Well rehearsed. The way I saw my opponents in the ring, the way I saw older reporters literally phone in their stories. The priest laid his hand on my shoulder, believing I was in need of guidance or hope. I, I don't know. Sometimes we just have to have a little faith. He nodded as his mini-sermon ended. Faith? I backed up so the priest would take his hand away. Even if only a little, Father Malcolm said, smiling. Huh. Faith. Yeah, well, I mean... My grandpa had faith, and apparently he was bug shit insane. A lot of good it did him. So next time you see God, you go ahead and tell him to keep his nose out of my business. Okay? Then I headed around the line toward my grandmother. Matter of fact, I looked back at the tiny man. Why don't you do the same? God, how I hated this place. I approached my grandmother who was in good health, but just then was looking about as frail as the priest. I paid my so-called respects the way a stranger might. No love behind the words, but she immediately recognized me. I was hugged. My grandmother's arms not able to reach around my chest. And I, I listened to her tell of how proud my, my papa had been that I had gotten out. Yeah. Her mannerisms and wordings were pretty much the same as her late husband's had been, and explored the big old world, had adventures, and made something of myself. How oh, my grandfather and I were so close those many, many years ago, telling me how, as close as the two had been, the one thing that didn't change for my grandfather was how much he loved me. How, um... <clears throat> How proud he was of the man that I had become. He said that, did he? Positioning myself away from the rectangular area that had held the casket. Now was that um before or after he was committed? I said it quite casually. My grandmother tried to change the subject, asking me if I had tried any of Aunt Ruth's cobbler. I, 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 I couldn't believe this. No one wanted to discuss the final days of this great, this, this grand man's life. Talk about the past, the war, the family he helped give life to, but nothing after. 
Not a whisper about asylums, about the madness. I mumbled something to my grandmother about the food and, and walked away. It was as if my grandfather had become a ghost long before he passed away. Elder Conroy Residence, Mound, Minnesota. After leaving my sole remaining grandparent and a brief stare down with my father nursing a bourbon seven across the room, I stole away from the rest of my family of strangers. I may have been born here. I may have attended grade school and high school here. And I, I, I know. I know that I'm not truly a native New Yorker. But being here, it was like being with a brood of hill people. I left the room not once, looking back at the relatives whose lives were like the butt of every redneck joke in the book. And then I was gone. Just like that. My rental car couldn't have peeled out of there fast enough. Something just, it didn't sit right with me. In my mind, yeah, okay, I, I should have been heading back to the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport. Back to civilization, you know. The kind that didn't eat or sacrifice their young while playing banjo tunes. But I... But I just couldn't let it go. The why. I felt drawn towards something. No, no, that's... That's not right. I, I, I felt drawn toward my grandfather's den. Listen, the, the man was a veteran of the Second World War, a man who had seen firsthand the horrors of life and man. From the beaches of Normandy to the bitter cold of Bastogne, he was a respected hero and man of great strength, both physically and mentally. And I could not believe that my, uh... <clears throat> My papa, who was so far above everyone else in this godforsaken family, would have descended into madness. No. No, not him. Not him. I would find the answers. And I would begin at my grandparents' house. I closed the door ever so slightly and started looking around the room at my grandfather's belongings. Going toward the massive oak desk first. I went through the drawers and then flipped through the dusty books on the back shelf. Knowing my grandpa, clues toward his last days before his death, at, and commitment, if I, if I still believe that, I don't, I don't know. They were meant to be hidden. Mysteries meant to be unlocked. I studied a family photograph, which, I mean, let's be honest here, was a big joke. They all were. The frame was cheap, unlike the easel in the main room of the Delacroix funeral home holding my grandfather's name, his epitaph in a classic calligraphy scrawl. My grandfather was not smiling, and he looked gaunt and, and pale, overall sickly. He was seated beside his wife, with my parents on one side and a few of the grieving souls I had noticed at the funeral on the other. The aunt who made the cobbler was there as well. 
But what caught my eye was the fact that my grandfather's shirt, light blue with white buttons, was hanging off of his left collarbone. The top button had been lost. And it... And it, um... I drew the image closer to my face. To the point that my nose was almost touching the glass. From what I could see, it... It appeared as if my grandfather's flesh was... was scarred. A marred and pocked canvas depicting layers of... of... Ah! My ankle bent at a painful angle. I realized that I had been inching backward and left as I examined the photo. I overcompensated by stepping back and... and just like that, I found myself on the floor. A warped floorboard. Wait, no. No, it would... It's not broken. It, it was loose. Oh my god. A hidden compartment, I realized. A crypt of secrets. I slowly reached into the crevice, layered over with cobwebs. Reaching down, fingers moving left and right. My... My grip settled on a... on a ball of clay. I lifted it out and, and I looked at it. Carved into the hard oval was a line drawing of an old ship. A vessel on turbulent yet poorly rendered dark waters. I studied the ball of carved clay, that, batting away a, a lone buzzing fly that appeared as if out of nowhere. The object seemed... light hollow. I squeezed it as tightly in my hand as muscle and sinew would allow. First it cracked, and then crumbled completely into dust and fragments in my palm. Within the remnants of clay, a safety deposit key glinted dully from the gray that speckled my fingers. The number 15 was etched into the round face. I held the key up to the light from the desk lamp. And suddenly, the, the door to my grandfather's den slammed shut with violence. <laughs> what the fuck? And I, and I, I, I could have sworn for however, however briefly that, that, um, that as the sound in the doorframe reverberated, that I had, I had heard, I had heard something, I had, I had heard someone whisper. Whisper the words. Kill.